What's up, Bubba's? This is Tim Heights, and you're listening to the Savage Beer Garden. Yeah, I haven't put out uh, an episode in a little bit. Uh, it's been tough around here. Honestly, haven't even been that busy. Kind of depressed, you know? So I was taking a little mental vacation. Uh, I was busy with all like the different shows, um, like the physical comedy shows that I, I've been trying to produce and, 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 and give people an opportunity to tell dick jokes on stage. These are all really just excuses and me patting myself uh, on the back and and kind of shirking the other responsibility, which is talking to you fine folks. So uh, if you're listening to this, just know I love you and I appreciate um, all the support and I appreciate all the love that I get for um, for doing this and it, and it keeps me doing it, you know. So so, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's what's going on. Uh, working at it, though. Busy, busy. Uh with depression and ADHD, honestly. Yeah. So this is like, a uh, put this together in like, uh, 15 minutes probably. So, uh, I tried to bleep out the name, uh, of the person that I interviewed. Um, actually it's pretty cool. Uh, Chuck Myers and I, uh, we interviewed, uh, a, a cop, a special agent, um, of a three letter, uh, you, you know, government agency. Uh, he wished to uh, remain anonymous, obviously, for his job and, and, and you know, maybe even safety, you know. Uh, really fucking good guy. I, I had so much fun talking to him, really down to earth. And he's doing, he's doing an amazing job and he's doing something that he believes in. And uh, once you listen to uh, what, what he does, actually, y- you'll agree with me, man. Um, I, I didn't make this political. Uh, I, I, I try to keep most politics out of out of the podcast because I want to be, um, you know, like, like fairly unbiased and I don't want to take sides with anything uh, or at least publicly take sides with anything. You know, this is supposed to be entertainment, man. And uh, I, I hope you're entertained by it, honestly, because we work hard here. It's a one man show. By we, I mean like the royal we. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck am I talking about? Uh, anyway, yeah, I had a good time. Um, he goes under the, what do you call it, the pseudonym? Is that a thing? Uh, or, or like an alias? Uh, Special Agent Jimmy, you know? So uh, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, uh, here is an episode. Ryan Del Bracco. Check my socks. Dude, I'm dog shit at most things. Yeah. You got any more of that gator milk? You stumbled into this. <laughs> Eleven bucks for a four pack? I was like, oh. You're not a very good well, salesman, sir. Well, that's the thing. Like, you never know. There's so many, like, small companies out here that... That's true. It's really like uh, it's like like being in a dating pool or something, or being on Tinder. We're live, by the way. It's oh. like yeah, it's like being on Tinder or something. Like you never know really what you're gonna get with a girl. Like Chuck, you've been on Tinder a bunch of times, right? I'm I've been on Tinder. I no, no luck with Tinder really. Yeah, Bumble. Um, Bumble's like my. That's like magic. It's all nurses on there. I feel like. Yeah, there's a lot of nose rings. Yeah, it's on the swipe right on the nose rings. <laughs> All right, man, uh, and we are live. We're here. Uh, I have a special guest today, uh, Special Agent Jimmy, uh, alias. 
Or can I say that? Should I not have said alias on that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're called an alias for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> guys just coming through the fucking ceiling right now. <laughs> Break through the window. Yeah. Got you. Yeah. Uh, dude, thank you for coming on. I appreciate Thanks this. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm actually excited. Like, I've, I've interviewed uh, medical professionals before. I want to start getting into, like, scientists and, like, law enforcement, stuff like that. Um, I got Chuck on here as well as thank the co-host. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, buddy. Back again. Yeah. Oh, you were just on recently, actually. I was, yeah. Yeah. No, no, I know you don't want me on here, but... No, dude, it's great. I'm very excited. We're all <laughs> <feeling here. laughs> All right, Jimmy. So, um, you work for uh, the U.S. government. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd rather not say exactly which one, but yeah. one of the three-letter ones. <laughs> yeah, right. Um... <laughs> And we'll leave it at that. Yeah. But yeah. Um, real quick though, like how does the uh, how does the actual screening process work to get into uh, <clears throat> your your job to get a job with you? Guys? Okay, so to be a special agent for the U.S. government, um, it's actually uh, it's it's designated under uh, eighteen eleven. That's what like the the code. For, okay. And that's technically criminal investigator. So okay, anyone that. Well, first to break it down, like what a special agent is to make everyone understand is like when you think of a normal like local police department, you have yeah. your patrol cops and then you have detectives. Yeah. Right. And so like patrol cops might arrest someone, bring book them into jail. Mm-hmm. And then de- detectives will be the one that like actually goes and interviews them. OK. Um, you know, tries to elicit like a confession or whatever. And then, you know, works with the DA's office to prosecute that guy. Or, yeah girl or whatever and get him in jail right and so on the federal level it's the same thing uh special agents like the detective or the investigator Mm -hmm. and so my job is usually it's both proactive and reactive Mm -hmm. so you know when we get called out because local law enforcement or whatever catches stuff and they want us to like investigate it federally Mm -hmm. then i'll go and i'll i'll invest um you know interview interrogate whatever um, people and then I'll work with the USA's office, the U.S. Attorney's office, yeah, and um, you know work to get them. So, are these usually like are these typically like specific kinds of crimes or specific kinds of cases that you guys work on? Like you're not gonna try to find a guy that's doing like mail fraud or something, right? I mean, <laughs> and, and so that's the funny thing is like um, I, I I can enforce any federal law which yeah. involve includes mail fraud. And it's funny because, like, sometimes you'll use, like, charges like that mm-hmm. as, like, a doorway in. Oh, absolutely. Know, and oh, stuff sure. like that. And so, like, um, you know, like the old thing or, like, um, what's his face? Who's that old-timey criminal? Al Capone. Al Capone. So tax, yes. Uh, tax fraud or whatever it was. Yeah, or they tax got him evasion. For like, yeah, exactly. That, that's what they got him for, right? Yeah. And so sometimes, like, like I've actually... I've gotten, you know, arrested like pedophiles, you know, mm-hmm. um, who who w- couldn't get charged um, by the DA's office for like raping a, a child, mm-hmm. but I got them on other felonies, yeah, uh, federal felonies that were like completely unrelated. No but, shit. But I was able to use those to get him, you know, prosecuted. Okay. You know, and so at least I mean, you're putting someone like you know they're guilty, right? Like they're blatantly guilty, but they yeah, can't yeah. be prosecuted. Like I, under... you know, talking to like the you know San Diego PD detective that was like investigating the rape, you know, like 
basically this girl that got raped she's like a seven-year-old mm-hmm. and um but she had like learning disabilities and stuff like that so she couldn't really testify oh because against you know because it's not like a, a not a verifiable witness but like a like a strong witness to it right right i mean the case just didn't look like it was going to be you know okay viable yeah you know and so you know they had to drop charges mm-hmm. but then you know when, when it came across my desk i was like oh you know hell no you know I'm gonna, yeah i'm gonna get this guy in jail you yeah. know and you just found him on other things yeah so I, I i was able to you know find other felonies that i found him you know no like, shit i, I feel like I'm, the... i feel like right now i'm breaking like a million laws yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm, right now I'm thinking about it's like shit what am i doing wrong right now? <laughs> every time i'm with <laughs> i'm like fuck dude like who i don't know what um <laughs> shit uh, yep, no, but it's I, okay. I'll bleep it out. <laughs> so I'll repeat that. No, but every time I'm with I'm with Jimmy, it's like I feel like shit. Something I'm doing is illegal. Like he's just yeah. getting intel, dude. He's doing <laughs> like, this I'm podcast, start, yeah, dude. Yeah, just to get you later. Dude. I'm gonna start looking at my <laughs> yeah. state taxes right now. Like, am I paying all up to date? I got. I keep doing this just because my wire is getting hot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, so so you work you work in a lot of like different cases. Primarily, though, you work in. A lot of uh, like smuggling border cases. Um, so we, we, we do everything. We do like narcotics, you know, mm-hmm. like smuggling, human trafficking, mm-hmm. child pornography, um, financial crimes, like pretty much pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, yeah I, How do I you stay positive through all that? That seems like a bummer, man. Uh, I think anyone that works law enforcement for enough years, you, you, you kind of like build like cynicism and, yeah. and you kind of have to just like laugh at it. Yeah. You know, it's you like just kind of almost be calloused. Yeah, yeah. I mean, things. especially like when it comes to like child pornography cases, like you, you gotta, you got, you know. Unfortunately, you know, if you're gonna prosecute someone for having child pornography, you have to look at the evidence. Yeah, you know, because yeah. I can't be like, oh, this guy's child pornography. Like, how do you know? I'm like, I think it's in his computer. <laughs> yeah, no, right, like I have right. to say, be able to testify. Like, yeah, I looked through it mm. and it was bad. You know, I'm like so. Yeah. So yeah. with the uh, with the with the border stuff. Um, what what are, what are some of the issues that you find, or and, and also what are like the drugs that you find coming over? I mean, I know it's big for like cocaine, right, and big for like meth. Yeah, so I would say more than anything, we find meth. Meth yeah. is like the most common drug of choice, at least down here in like San Diego area. Um, heroin, not as much. Cocaine, not as much. Yeah. Um, somehow you still find marijuana, although strange. You know, Right, because, like, who who smokes Mexican marijuana? Yeah. Like, where does this stuff go? At this point, yeah. I mean, they got, like, factories up in, like, but, Oregon now and, right. and Northern California. And I making... mean, like, it's I know, still going. Like... Oh, sorry to cut no, you no, off. Sorry. It's still going to Indiana. Like, it's still going to, like, those states where it's never going to be legal. They've yep. never had real, like, California-grown, right. like, right. hydroponic still getting... marijuana. Yeah. And, like, yeah, they're just relying the on six this. Mia or whatever the hell <laughs> That's... it is, or Sinola. <laughs> Well, the only thing I had growing up was just like, oh yeah, this is Mexican brickweed, and it smelled like straight gasoline. Like it yeah. was like it was oh. in a gas tank for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, we had that all the way up until like the late, you know, early two thousands, late to late two thousands. You just had fucking bad Mexican weed. Yeah, and it would be like, oh, we got good stuff, and it's like, well, do you? Like, and it's, it's brown. It's, it's brown. Yeah, it's it's terrible. Yeah, no, Mex- like yeah, the stuff I'd catch. Like every time we would catch it. Mm-hmm. We like look at each other and be like, "Who's buying this?" Yeah, someone's, yeah, someone's some sucker kidding. out there is buying this. 
And like, I felt worse for the buyer than this guy who just got caught smuggling. So how does it work now um, federally? I know oh, you know, California. I didn't even answer your question. I just realized one of your first questions is like screening and how, yeah. how to become a special agent. So I talked about 1811 as criminal investigator. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to become a criminal investigator, uh, you have to go through it's, it's a pretty long hiring process. For me, it took a little over three years. Three years. Yeah. Um, oh, shit. So yeah. you had a degree. You obviously have to have a degree. Yeah. You need a degree. Um, you need to have clean history. You need to be able to get a security clearance. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, so, what's the like? What's the level of clearance that you need to have? Um, so th- that's the thing is, well, first, you have to be able to get, you know, what's called TSSEI, the top mm-hmm. secret, you know, compartmentalized. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, that's like the highest. Mm-hmm. Now, not everyone gets that just because you're a special agent. Yeah, it's tough. Because like, <clears throat> for example, if you are um, a postal inspector who is technically in 1811, they, like the Postal Service has special agents. They don't have but, need to know. So they don't need the sensitive it, it, compartmentalized. Right, they right? might not need to know. But then like if you're like a Secret Service agent mm-hmm. and, you know, um, you, you, like you're in the room with the president when he's talking about classified stuff. Yeah. Obviously, you need to be cleared to hear that stuff. Right. You know, even if you know whatever. So, uh, to put it simply, you have to be able to get that clearance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have to go through what's called like a single scope background investigation. And what are they looking for in that? Like, um, specific, like- so, so basically, like, um, with a- with any background investigation for any like law enforcement position, mm-hmm. um. They're just making sure, like, first, you're not, like, a scumbag. You're not, like, some right. criminal cartel member that's, like, trying to sneak his way into yeah. the, the police or whatever. Um, so they're going to, you know, check for that stuff. They're going to make sure you don't have, like, crazy affiliations with, like, gangs or mm-hmm. et cetera. Extremist they're, groups. Yeah. Like Obviously, they're going to make sure you're not, like, a, a felon. Mm-hmm. Um, those are just, like, gimme stuff. But, yeah, they, they go. They interview your neighbors. Mm-hmm. Uh, they interview your work, your coworkers, your friends. And they don't just do like paper; they'll like go in person. Yeah. Um, and, and those are the guys that aren't the special agents. Those are the guys that are just like, "Hey, my name's Brandon. How you doing?" Just like very, like well to do, right? Well, are you talking about the background investigators? Yeah. Uh, so those guys are usually usually they're contracts, uh, contracted investigators mm-hmm. that are retired special agents. Okay. <laughs> All right. So like the fallback, like if you're retiring as a special agent, your fallback job is just to do contract background oh, investigations. Man. Yeah. Yeah. If, if nothing else works for you, you can do that. And it pays well from what I hear. And it's a pretty chill job. Yeah. Because like you can do it. Like, you're like Richard Gere from Brooklyn's Finest or something. That's a, it's a weird reference, but. Yeah, yeah it's pretty obscure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know of Richard Gere, but that's, you lost me <laughs> he, was, he was getting ready to retire and he's okay. just like, yeah, pushing paper. Yeah. <laughs> But anyways, yeah, you go through your background investigation, and once they determine, you know, you're not freaking uh, like a double agent from the cartel or something mm-hmm. crazy, um, you, you have a polygraph, you know, the lie detector mm-hmm. test, which is a uh, complete BS, by the way. I was gonna say, how accurate are those? <laughs> not very, man. There's, uh, there's, there's you can you could defeat it immediately. Yeah, if you just you could look it up online to defeat it. It's mm-hmm. it's rough. Or if you're too nervous. It can come up as that too. I was yeah. say if your so, baseline anxiety, like you're just failing, probably. Well, sure. so I mean, supposedly, you know, they 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 take a baseline 
in the beginning of the test. Yeah. You know, they'll ask you questions that you're not nervous about that you can answer. Like, is yeah. your name really Jimmy? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, are you uh, in the United States right now? Right. You know, and you're like, yes, yes. And they take your baseline notes and then. And then they'd be like, you know, so when's the last time you like slept with a child? And you'd be like, oh my God, you're like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. And it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so like that's, but honestly, like I know plenty of people who have lied during their polygraph and it didn't detect. I know people uh, who I know are like the most trustworthy people that have gone through back, uh, like polygraphs. Yeah. And uh, the polygrapher claimed that, oh no, like uh, you're, you're lying, you know. That's wild. Who are the polygraphers anyway? Like, who are these guys? Um, Professionals? So it it depends. Uh, Some agencies will have actual agents, like, do um, polygraphs. Like, I know my agency, uh, you can get trained to be a polygrapher. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean, the bottom line is polygraph tests are not admissible in court for a reason. Yeah. It's it's because they're defeatable and they're too subject to, like, bias and, like, they're not objective, to put it simply. Yeah. Well, it's just like it's not hard evidence. Yeah. It's honestly, I the, the the main reason why I think they have them is to freak people out into telling the truth about stuff that they think. Yeah. Yeah. It's is, almost a deterrent to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, like, you, you basically scare people into telling you the truth about stuff that mm-hmm. they otherwise probably wouldn't have told yeah. you. Yeah. So, like, I, I guess in in a lot of ways they look for it, uh, they look for red flags um, in, in in other ways as as far as like family goes, right or. Or financial hardships, or yeah. just interviewing yeah, I, neighbors, being right. like, "Yeah, neighbors, like, yeah, that guy's fucking weirdo." You know, they're like, <laughs> "Okay, well, we're not gonna hire him then." Yeah. You know, and so I mean, yeah. So, and the thing about like federal law enforcement agencies, uh, you go through your, like local police department, you go through, you know, your background investigation, you get hired, and then that's it. You know, but federal agencies, you have to go through a background check every five years. Yeah. So they knew that. Yeah. So they make sure that, you know, everything's still on the up and up, you know. Yeah. That way, you know, like if you're a cop, you know, 10 years in, like your police department might have no idea that you beat your wife every day and all your neighbors hear it. Exactly. Right. They might not know. But then federal agencies, like, they'll find out, you know. Oh, yeah. When they talk to your neighbors and you're like, hey, do you ever hear them arguing? You're like, well, well, yeah. And then he beats her. And then she's quiet. Yeah. Then she's quiet. Oh, yeah. and, and then sleep. And, no, and then and then you get fired. You know, like. Yeah. So that's how that works. Um, it's good that they keep it. Uh, they keep people pretty honest. Yeah. And, and I would another say... thing that they actually look into is your finances. Mm-hmm. Um, they they look at like your credit score. They do full credit check stuff. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Bank accounts, because you know another thing is like if you're like severely in debt, and you're a special agent. Yeah. Um. You know, that makes you vulnerable to, you know, like being compromised. The right? cartels and stuff, they, they keep they, they try to keep tabs on like vulnerabilities like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially like officers at the border. I feel like they're just as organized as a lot of the agencies here. Right. Yeah. I mean, they have the money yeah, to do it. Exactly. And they have infinite money, you know. Yeah. So how do they could they access that data like really easily? Like, you know, like how would they know somebody's like in a financial hardship or. As an agent, like how do they even how do they find out that information? Um, so, a few ways, like for example, if um, w- one thing you know, so let's put it this way: uh, sometimes they might watch certain officers or agents, you know, 
um, they might notice like, oh, this guy always hits this bar. And then, you know, if they don't necessarily see a vulnerability, they might create one. So they'll get, you know, one of their, their fine women to go talk to you at the bar you know, and then you think you're Rico Suave, and then yeah. you know you go so, have a little fun. So, social engineering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then you know they might you know take photos of the whole escapade, mm-hmm. and then one day you come back to your car and there's an envelope and you open it and you see some compromising photos, and wow. you're like, oh my god, if my family sees this, I'm gonna lose everything. And then uh, they contact you and say, hey, all you gotta do is like this one thing, and that's it, right? So you might think like, okay, I just, I, I just have to like sneak in this person or whatever right and so yeah. you you do it and then once you do it you're really screwed because now they have the goods on you that'll get you fired right and so now even wow. more so now wow. you're on the hook and now now you're like permanently on the hook you know and so like and that kind of stuff has happened right and so like you know mm. uh internal affairs basically they you know they have talks with like officers and agents like usually every year to mm. kind of remind you like keep your life straight because if you don't you know you could get taken advantage of and then make some bad decisions and you guys do like annual training and stuff too right uh in regards to what in in regards to like uh i don't know uh opsec stuff or right yeah um um, i mean there's not be followed right like I'm, i'm sure there's you know if you were on a high profile case or something right i mean you're more likely to be followed than a guy who's that's true not you know he's in 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 the corporate yeah, kind of Joshua. office right yeah yeah uh yeah definitely i mean we get that training i wouldn't say like all of it's annual per se mm-hmm. but uh and we have plenty of annual trainings like via like computer-based training stuff mm-hmm. but that's all stuff that everyone just clicks it's all horseshit they yeah. can and it's retain nothing can, yeah a buddy's got like a buddy will sit over your shoulder and be like yeah pick a <laughs> pick me <laughs> like alright cool 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 I mean, but, but for the most part you have that base knowledge of how right right but I mean so another thing about becoming a special agent is you know typically special agents aren't hired like off the street like recent college grad you know and then you become uh, like usually you need some work and life experience like when I went through the academy I already had over 10 years of law enforcement experience okay um the average age of like my classmates was like yeah like mid-30s okay um and so everyone was typically from like a local law enforcement or yeah. federal law enforcement and then they got picked up for special yeah. agent so you're more well established you yeah, kind of so, know wh- what you're getting yourself into right right mm-hmm. and so i mean they they are pickier um generally speaking yeah um, so they, yeah, they have the ability to do that though. I mean, right, right. I'm sure there's a lot of people, and I'm sure they get a ton of applications every year, and you only get X amount of people out of there, right? Yeah, no. Like I remember them telling me something. It was like, um, for every one of us that was hired, there was like 10,000 applicants. <laughs> okay, wow. man. So that's wild. But out of those, if you don't get, um, that's if you don't get into the special agent route, mm-hmm. you could still pick up another job in the in the agency or um well it depends on the agency i mean because like different agencies have tons of different positions yeah 
But I mean, if you put in for special agent and you get rejected, they're yeah. not going to be like, oh, but you want to be our cashier? <laughs> like, <they're, laughs> I mean, they're not going to offer you a consultation position. services. Yeah. You want to work in here? You got a clearance, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Um, and I mean, people can just apply for those, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so. What are the, uh, so some of the some of the things that you've worked on i want to get back into the the smuggling thing because that is wild to me oh yeah it is it's the uh first off it seems extremely dangerous um it seems a lot there's a lot of red tape with it right Uh, so smuggling um so when you say dangerous like i feel like you know on the law enforcement side is like yes and no. It depends on like where the smuggling is taking place. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, if you're border patrol and you're working the border, and then you come across like a caravan of people smuggling drugs, mm-hmm. yeah, it can definitely be very dangerous. You know, because right. you might be the only guy out there. Yeah, and so you might try to stop them, and then they fight back, right? Or they're armed or something. Then, you know, and uh, you know, a lot of you know, PAs or patrol agents. Uh, with the border patrol, they've they've been killed, you know, yeah. by smugglers, just because you know you don't have your backups. Sometimes like half an hour away or something. Yeah. Wow. So in those circumstances, definitely. Um, sometimes if you work like at a port of entry, mm-hmm. as like a CBP officer, then <laughs> excuse me. That's good. They they you can burp into it. Oh, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's what we do here. Oh man, <laughs> now I feel like I'm at home, <laughs> where I always burp into my mic. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, if you work at a port of entry, um, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll get people that, like, might fight or whatever. But the good thing about there is, like, your backup is literally, like, 10 feet from you. Right. Um, so, like, before I became a special agent, I used to work at a port of entry mm-hmm. down here in San Diego. And, um, yeah, like, I've gone to a lot of fights. I've had to chase a lot of people. Like, yeah like on foot on the freeway like oh, playing frogger man. with cars um so definitely it can it can be dangerous i've been at the border a lot um so i i know it gets wild down there yeah. people like wash their car like dude. against your will you know <laughs> but there's there's no water dude they just like wipe it like dry and there's like dry dirt dude i was like i was like yeah, i'm good man you don't need people to hopping in and out of cars like it gets it gets a little dicey yeah 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 and like um i have a lot of a lot of stories from the border um yeah and like uh even recently it was like a year ago yeah last year mm-hmm. um so some like drugged out guy driving like uh, a van was trying to smuggle in like a van full of chinese people okay so he gets to the he gets to the Okay. What's, what's from, so funny? So from this Mac- is this is not from, the funny part. Yeah, that's <laughs> mostly because there is no funny part in this. Chuck, <laughs> yeah, sorry, man. Like me, give me a couple of kombuchas and a mezcal. All right, all right. Okay. I'm laughing. So, yeah. Sorry, man. Van, van full of Chinese, and then um, coming from Mexico. Coming from Mexico. Right. Yeah, because actually the smuggling route is through Mexico. Like Chinese that want to sneak into the U.S. No shit. Yeah, they fly into Mexico. Yeah, and then they pay the cartel to sneak them in. Smart. It's way easier than like you know trying to stow away on an airplane. Yeah, um, which would be wild. Yeah, but uh, like if, if you <laughs> pull that off, later. like kudos, like you've you've earned your citizenship. Yeah, right. Okay. So. Uh, so, anyways, yeah, this guy is driving a van full of Chinese. He gets to the officer, and the officer is like, 
looking around. All of a sudden, the guy's like, oh, shoot. And he just hits the gas, right? Oh. Now, the port of entry, it wasn't like this like back in the day, but they, they've they now installed like preventative measures so that if you try to like port, like if you, you're trying to be a port runner, is what it's called, mm-hmm. like any that, officer like, hits his big, big ass red button and then um, further like the egress points, mm-hmm. like, you know, gate arms come down, spikes come up from the ground. Yeah. And so... Like, even if you're the only car at the port, which is rare, um, like, you can't run away because you're going to blow your tires and stuff. Right. Um, but, like, the port's always busy. So there's, like, a million cars. So once they hit that button, like, the gate arms come down and, like, everyone else just stops. So you have nowhere to go. So this guy, he r- drives his van, like, you know, 100 feet and runs out of space, like, hits a car. And then, um, and then like, police are, you know, like, CBP officers are, like, chasing after it. And then he pulls out a gun and starts shooting at the officers. Jesus. Right? And then, um, like, you, you can find videos of this um, online. And then the officers start returning fire. And somehow none of the Chinese got hit, so good for them. Yeah. Uh, the guy got just, like, riddled. Oh, yeah. You know, because, sure. like I said, like, backup is, like, they're all there. What does he think was going to yeah. happen? That's the thing. I mean, it probably wasn't the best decision of his life. But it was the last decision of his life. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, he got torn up. Um, and, uh, like, it was crazy. Like, one, one of the officers I trained back when I was a uh, field training officer with them, like, he was involved with that shooting. And uh, it's pretty gnarly. So, you know, stuff like that happens. Mm-hmm. What are some of the issues that you see? How, how can people defeat it, actually? Like, what are ways... That people All can... right, so this is how you smuggle in drugs, guys. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are, what are some of the, the problems? I mean, well, obviously people can just fly in, right? And then just run their visa. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, like, stuff that, you know, the cartels do. Because, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to smuggle in drugs any, any way they can, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, a common way they do it is they, they pay nobodies, mm-hmm. you know, a grand or two yeah to successfully smuggle in drugs the like law in their cars. averages x amount are going to get through right, right right you know um so that's one way another way is they'll um you know sneak in through cargo shipments okay uh so like you know there's tons of like tractor trailers that are bringing like fruits or whatever yeah avocados from mexico man um and then so some of them will get loaded up with drugs and if they don't catch them at the cargo port of entry, then, you know, yeah. they get in. And, like, that's honestly, like, a good bulk way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, other ways, like airports and stuff, they'll, they'll pay people to smuggle drugs. Okay. Sometimes they'll, like, just try to ship drugs through, like, parcel. That's, and, you know, like, that's pretty, pretty nuts. Yeah. I mean, so, like, so it would just arrive USBS. Yeah, and they're exactly. like, all right, cool, man. I got my brick of heroin. I'm gonna yeah. go. <laughs> and so, yeah, and and we we deal with that stuff too, you know, because like yeah. they'll they'll catch it like the CBP officers that work in like the mail carriers, mm-hmm. um, like buildings. They'll like come across something like a dog smells it or something, or I guess yeah, X-ray, and they're like, oh, that looks like a brick of coke. Yeah, you know, and mm-hmm. and it is. And then um, you know, sometimes what we'll do is we'll we'll set up like a, a sting with it, so we'll mm. actually a special agent will actually go deliver it you know yeah. to the house and um and then we wait for them to open it and yeah you know it's funny because like uh 
what, what, what we'll do is we'll, we'll open it and we'll find the drugs. We're not going to actually give him the drugs. So right. we give him like a fake package. <laughs> and like there's like there's like basically there's like a tripwire inside. Yeah. So the oh, second shit. he opens it. Yeah. Uh, it sends out like an electronic signal. Like, That's how you get the package the has been opened, uh, right? So it was like the intention of knowing that he's right. getting drugs. Because I mean, for it. Because I mean, otherwise you can just frame someone you don't like. I'm gonna ship coke to his house, right? And the police are gonna arrest him. You know, yeah. like so obviously like. I guess you get a double whammy there because if you open up the mail, that's 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 illegal as well. Right? It's like, well, damn. Do you ever like troll people with like flour or like oregano? You're just like, no, no. So, <laughs> so like, it's actually not obvious when they first open it. They think it's like coke or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, we put what, what we call sham inside the package. Okay. Um, and so th- they might think like, oh, sweet, I got my ecstasy or whatever. Yeah. And then, um, and they don't realize they they trip like the this little sensor we installed into the package. Yeah. And then, like, you know, 10 seconds later, someone's kicking down your door. Wow. <laughs> and so, yeah, we do stuff yeah, like that. So, um, so there, is there a lot – are there times, like, kind of, like, longer uh, surveillance or operations? So if you have, like, a big shipment and you're trying to, like, get, like, a higher up or – how does that work? Is, is that on your guys' level or is that more local law enforcement? Um, so in general, like, the general trend of how we tr- like to do our investigations is, like – if we catch a low-level guy, mm-hmm. you know, we're not content with just like, sweet, we got a bust. Yeah. You know, like our, our purpose is to climb as high as we can and right. dismantle yeah. as much of the criminal organization as possible. Mm-hmm. So you might catch a low-level guy and then you'll, you'll, you'll let him know like, hey, you're going to look at this much time. Right. You know, like, sorry, you know, your kid's going to go into, you know, foster care, whatever. And mm-hmm. then you're like, no, this can't happen. Like, hey. If you can help us out, you know, we can probably like work right. with you, possibly right, right. reduce charges, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, if they do, perfect. And then we, we slowly climb. So they might give us like contacts, like, okay, this is um, the middleman. Here's his phone number. This is where he lives. This is where I'm supposed to deliver it or whatever. Yeah. And then we'll watch that house and then we'll f- see who comes and goes from that house. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say most of my field work that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, is just doing surveillance. I'm just sitting in my car <laughs> on a street yeah. in the hood, you know, and I'm just like watching a house. And, um, you know, I have uh, my snacks, yeah. I have drinks, <laughs> I have my. What's a go- Wait, what's a go to snack? <laughs> um, honestly, like, I probably should just keep like a, a box of snacks, but like, I'll usually just like go to McDonald's before. <laughs> yeah. I'll, just, I'll, be, I'll be just, just sitting there eating my, my hot apple pie staring at this house yeah. you're you just know, all sluggish trying neighbors to make walking by getting tired yeah. and honestly like staying awake during surveillance is a is, is an issue sometimes. oh yeah I couldn't I couldn't imagine a lot of times to be honest like I'll, I'll call my friends yeah. Be like, hey man, what are you up to? Just and hanging out. Yeah. And like a lot of times they'll know. They'll be like, "You're on surveillance, huh?" And I'm like, <laughs> hey, a little bit. <laughs> but I mean, it's a good way to pass time, you know. And then mm-hmm. I, you know, or sometimes like, I'll be talking to a friend, I'll be like, "Hey, shut up! He's coming out! He's coming out! Shut up! Shut up!" <laughs> right. Like, you know, and then like take photos or use binoculars. Take or whatever, a quick bite right? of your Big Mac. And... I know. So the <laughs> amount of training that you guys do. Yeah. How do you guys stay up on it, or is it like once you're in? you're in or is it like 10 percent, 20 percent of the time like how much are you guys actually like training to, to i guess to stay sharp in the field so it depends on what kind of training you're talking about so like 
surveillance training. Usually, like, what you get in the academy is, like, that's it. And it's not bad training. Yeah. Uh, but mostly just on-the-job training you get yeah. from doing surveillance is, like, the real training. Mm-hmm. So as you do it, I mean, that kind of teaches you, mm-hmm. and you become a better agent. Like, I've done surveillance, and I've gotten burned is a term, like, where they, they realize they're being followed or whatever. Right. And then I'm like, damn it. So lesson learned on that. Let's figure yeah, out. So how you, to... Yeah. You have to like think like, what did I do wrong? Like, for example, like if you're following someone like in a vehicle, um, if you're the only car following them, if you're trying to do one man vehicle surveillance, that's like a recipe for failure. Because mm-hmm. it's only a matter of time before like the guy is like, pretty sure I saw that, you know, right. car behind me for like so it's the more last of like, 10 miles. Uh, you guys are on, on whatever, like walkie-talkies or whatever you yeah use, so right? i mean we're all on radios and stuff yeah. and so you know like mobile mobile surveillance you're going to want several vehicles right he's coming that up way on that way you can like kind of trade off what we call like the eye yeah so like one person has the eye and then if he's made too many turns that you've followed right then they might if they if they have noticed you they might be like is this car following me yeah and then the next turn they do you want to make sure that you don't follow and when you're dealing with someone who's doing criminal activity th- that's the first thing right. they they're like right. someone's and, following me right now and, <laughs> there's this guy behind me <laughs> exactly you know and naturally if you're breaking the law you're gonna be paranoid to an yeah. extent yeah and I so, know I am <laughs> yeah but for example like last year uh, I got to do was it last year yeah it was last year pre COVID um, I got pre-COVID. to do some uh, cool training with um, what's it called? Uh, supposedly it was with the Navy. Um, we're not hundred percent sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, basically, it was it was actually a cool training exercise because um, these operatives they go to different countries it, um, and then. Their job is, like, once they land in country, they need to be able to meet with someone mm-hmm. for their mission, but not be followed and not be surveilled by the foreign government. Yeah. And so what they need to do is first figure out if they're being surveilled. Mm-hmm. Secondly, and you might think, oh, they need to lose their surveillance. But that's actually, and that makes sense, but that's wrong. What they need to do is actually make that foreign intelligence think that they don't need to be followed because they're just there as a right. tourist or for no no important reason. Yeah. Because if the foreign government starts following this person, like, hey, we think this person's like a U.S. government, you know, worker or whatever, uh, works for some agency, they start following you, and then suddenly you're like going 100 miles per hour down the freeway, yeah. like making crazy turns, and be like, oh, damn, this guy's like up to something. Yeah. We have to follow this guy yeah. and figure out what he's doing here. But if they follow you and then you go to like touristy spots and you're right. buying a hot dog and you're sitting on the yeah. beach for an hour. Back to McDonald's. And then you go to a tourist shop and then you're just going to another restaurant. You right. take a nap. They're going to be like, okay, this guy's just here to yeah, just to visit, you know? How long could that go on for? That's like – that could be – like at some point – so, so that's the thing. As, wow. as a government operative, if you're trying to – first you have to detect if they're following you. So – what they have you do is like they'll actually have you like set a route, a specific route with a certain amount of turns and things like that, so that if someone's following you, you're gonna notice that hey, this person followed and you, me. And you have a ton of different routes, right? So right. B, C, if this happens, right. And so like you, you don't just mindlessly start traveling the city, but you and your your routes have to make sense because if they're 
pointless, then they're going to know something's up. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have to make a, a route that makes sense, but is also good in a way that if someone's following you, you're going to notice that, hey, they made too many similar turns. This is too coincidental, right? Yeah. And then if you determine that you're being followed, like you have to keep it up to until you've determined like I'm no longer being followed. Mm-hmm. So that's what those guys have to do. That's not what we do because I don't work like foreign ops. Yeah. But what I do is domestic surveillance, right? Like yeah. I try to follow cartel members, stuff like that. Try to get stash houses or whatever. Yeah. And so what they had this training exercise we did was their operatives had to like we pretended like we started at like the airport, yeah. like actually at the airport. Yeah. And then we're waiting in baggage. And so like how the game started was like. Yeah, we're like, given a photo it's of like this war guy. games, right? It's like war games, yeah, with mm-hmm. a different government agency. Yeah, um, it's wild. Yeah, it's it, it fun because like you know we see we get a photo of this guy and then like basically we're, we're all texted like okay go. Yeah, and then so we're hanging a baggage claim and we see this guy we're like okay that's him you know so we need to like communicate with each other, okay he's headed out okay he got into this Uber and people are waiting outside start following this Uber and then this guy his job is to determine who's following him right and you know and try to point them out and so and then our job is to follow him um and see exactly who he meets with or mm-hmm. if he makes any obvious pickups or drop-offs etc cetera, etc cetera. and so we went through all throughout san diego yeah. you know going to restaurants you know like i went into like a pawn shop and I was looking like a trumpet you know he's like over here you know and then like you know it's like we went all over uh, and then at the end they're like okay uh, the thing's over and then like we had like a debrief and then you find out like did you get burned like did he notice like oh I saw this guy here and there yeah you know like I'm sure he's like following me and so it was like good for us because we get to work on our training mm-hmm. on our surveillance. And it gives and it gives guys... that guy good training because he gets he gets to practice. Yeah. Like, and it's funny because what what we discovered is a lot of times those operatives would think like, oh, this guy's following me, and it was like uh, it was a complete stranger, like not someone actually following. Me. <laughs> <laughs> it's and there scary. were it's, right, yeah, it's, right. It's, and then there were times where like we thought we got burned like oh dude i think he's he saw me again you know or he made yeah. eye contact with me and like i think he knows yeah. and then he had no idea it's wild in such like a big city too you have no idea yeah yeah, yeah. so it, it was good times because like part of it like a lot like he went in cars he went on foot so we'd have to follow on foot mm-hmm. you know and so do you find uh because of your training um you, you tend to pay more attention to to your surroundings than than before. I mean, you've been in you've been in this uh, this business or whatever line for, of work yeah. line of work for so long. Because um, I saw you looking around my house, I was like, all right, well, yep, you can tell this guy he, he pays attention. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, like I'm sure to an extent, like so like I restaurants, mean, right? Do you so for example, like any law enforcement officer when you sit down at a restaurant. Well, first of all, any law enforcement officer who, in my opinion, is worth a grain, you know, worth their salt, yeah, is, uh, you know, they're going to be carrying their gun off duty, yeah. Because the bottom line is like, especially if you work in law enforcement, you see how often like crazy bad things happen in like random places, yeah. Like, I feel like you should be carrying your gun off duty, mm-hmm. and you should be like ready to react, right? Um, so if you're eating at like a restaurant, like I'm always going to sit myself where I can see the, the entrance or yeah. the exits 
and I'll, I'll I'll like just mentally keep track of like that's an entrance and exit, that's an entrance and exit, and it looks like in the back of the kitchen there's an exit, right. you know, or whatever. Because I mean, you you just never know. Yeah. You know, I'm sure like, you know, with the uh, Aurora shooting in the movie theater, like no one went to the theater thinking like, oh, there's probably going to be a shooting. When, when the movie said, look to your exits, report, I don't think they even said it at that point, report any yeah. suspicious activity. You right, know, exactly. Like, this isn't a fucking airport. Exactly. Yeah, now you, you know? hear it every, all the time. And like stuff like uh, that happens in like random mundane places, right? Yeah. Um, like one of uh, a police department I used to work for, like, uh, you know, there was uh, one of my sergeants, uh, before he was a sergeant, he had to respond to a, a guy in a supermarket who walked in with a freaking katana blade. Oh, <laughs> Holy fuck, man. shit. And um, he walked up to a worker and just cut off their arm. What? Like, out of nowhere. Like, this guy's just like restocking. The guy <laughs> cut off the arm. Oh, my God. And, yeah. And then that guy's like, oh, what the hell is <laughs> going on? Right? And so everyone's freaking out, obviously. Blood everywhere. And this guy's going, walking around trying to stab people with a sword. Fuck that, dude. A fucking katana? That's yeah. scarier than a gun and then, to me. And then my sergeant, you know, like, he was one of the first officers on scene. Gets his rifle. Runs into the store. Sees a guy. That guy, you know, yells commands. That guy doesn't listen. It starts charging him. Mm-hmm. So he puts three rounds around its chest. Yeah. And then um, that guy collapsed. And then the sergeant wow. jumps on top and actually starts giving him CPR. Yeah, man. Yeah. And I was like, damn, that is yeah, kind soul. Freaking You're a, officer of the year. Right? Yeah. Well, the thing is nowadays, so it's like, do you have to do that? Are you required to perform CPR after basically subduing somebody? I mean, you should. Or stopping the bleed. I, I, I mean, I would say, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I don't, I don't think, I don't think he would have been reprimanded had he not. That's yeah. what I'm thinking. And that's more my question is like, but you know, they, like, because more than anything, like, scene safety is of utmost importance, yeah. you know? Like, if you just shot the guy, you know, kicked away the sword and immediately just put him in handcuffs and waited for EMS, yeah, I don't think anyone would have batted an eye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, the CPR is only going to go so, long, so far anyway with that. I mean, yeah, if you take bleeding. three rounds right. to the chest, I mean... You can't stop bleeding but, from... But, yeah, dude, well, that's, that's the thing, scene safety. You just mentioned scene safety. That's now trained in CPR. Like, you want to you make sure yeah. that the everything's safe before you even administer cpr mm-hmm. you know i just took it uh took a you know re you know, recourse or whatever that research uh, yeah thing. yeah 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 just recently and they were like uh make make sure the scene's safe i'm like what the fuck like when did this happen <laughs> no dude? like uh yeah. i had a like emt training yeah for my job and um yeah like to pass the test like we had to do like role-playing scenarios yeah and then you would fail if the first thing you you didn't if you didn't do this as a first thing which was like walk on the scene immediately go determine if the scene is safe right you know if you didn't say that line then you you automatic failure well because people like i mean being a nurse it's like you want to help right away but like if bullets are still flying how much help are you going to be if you run in and then somebody shoots you okay right now you didn't save me but that makes sense yeah i mean but even in the hospital you know you never know like who's who's gonna come on i mean people come in and cause havoc all the time and like yeah. emergency situations no absolutely um all right i think we're gonna take a break and uh we'll be right back after these messages and we are back all right what are you gonna say chuck i was gonna say what, what where is this beer from okay well you can read it off 
on this. So we're drinking a. What so is this that? is a. Um, it's called Dia de los Mangos. Um, it's a Bel- Belgian style sour ale, fermented and aged in oak barrels with mango, tamarind, and chili. Chili. So it's a kind of a spicy beer. It's pretty fucking good, man. From Beechwood Blendery, Artful series. Where's it made? Blendery. Let's see, yeah. Is that, is that a real thing? Yeah, not not a brewery. Oh, so blendery. Yeah, blendery. Um, so Beechwood Blendery in Long Beach, California. That's pretty good, man. Um, yeah, it's great. It's uh, it's inspired by Belgian lambic tradition and trips to Baja blended with winter 2019. This is why people just appropriating culture right yeah. there, baby. I love Baja though. Like anything inspired, but that's half the reason I even bought this was literally the marketing. Really? In the Dia de los Mangos. Yeah. Dia de los Mangos? Yeah, it's like Dia de los, de los Muertos. Ma- yeah. <laughs> well, oh, yeah, so there's a skull on the top of it. Dude, it's good, man. It's a nice beer. It's What's a little the expensive. alcohol percentage on this? It's got to be like a nine, right? Is it, even is it? Is it seven down there? I would guess seven. Uh, looking Based for on it. <laughs> we got J- Jimmy. Uh, he's a special agent also. He's got a drinking problem, baby. Seven <laughs> percent. <laughs> <laughs> Six point eight. Ah, yeah. All right, yeah. I'll round up. Not bad, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely, I would recommend this. It's nice. It's like a. I feel like it's a good like celebration beer or something. They even said like best it's served good. at cellar temp, dude. Forty-five to fifty-five Fahrenheit. Damn. Yeah, they're not playing around. This is really good, man. It's very expensive. It's like sixteen bucks. Sixteen bucks for a bottle. Yeah. But we're all we're all getting a drink. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. This Thank you nice. for uh, getting it. Yeah. Absolutely. I like to try different stuff. Um, the what was it? The the abnormal was not so good though. Mm. Was that one of the times? The that one you, you just drank is uh oh the one yeah it's mm-hmm. like the Hawaiian beer not coconut. great not great I'm sure they have a couple good ones but the kombucha earlier was really good too man yeah yeah very good all right it's called uh, Dia de los Mangos Mangos what say that with an accent Mangos how shit is it uh wait all right so when you say like. Like a um, a corn based uh, roll, what do you call that? Like a like a Mexican taquito? Corn... No, no, like uh, it's just cheese in How there. How tightly rolled? Just cheese. Yeah, and you put it in like a corn husk. What do you call that? Tamale. Yeah, there you go. All right. So you, do you say it like that whenever like you're like, hey, may I please get a few? Tamales. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I speak like having worked the border for mm-hmm. a while. I speak decent Spanish. Okay. And so, like, if I go to a Mexican restaurant, I'm actually just only speaking Spanish. Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. Well, the and thing so, is, that, but what if you're so spe- yes. Okay. So, but if mean, you're speaking English though, and then you you have to flip to a Spanish word, you you throw the accent on there. But yeah, I would still say, hey, you want some tamales? Okay. I would still do that. You know, I'm not gonna say. Hey, you know, like later today, let's stop by Long Beach, and then, uh, oh, well, you know, we'll make a trip up to Los Angeles. Like, no, I'm not gonna do that. But what if you're talking about like there's a Spanish and like a uh, like maybe like it's also in like Mandarin. Like, what if it's like a back to back like different cultures within the same sentence? Do you flip between? Well, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever tried that. It'd be tough. Let me even think of a Mandarin word. Yeah. All I can think of is General Sal's, but that's just Panda Express. Well, that's, like, that's, that's well, yeah. all right. Yeah. No, but Mandarin, should I share? That's I don't know why you would thank somebody in Chinese or in Mandarin, and then well, what if thanks thank somebody in Mandarin for your well tamales. in that in that van full of in that van full of the Chinese <laughs> going over the border? Did they say 
thank you in Spanish or English or yeah. they're probably just screaming. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, there's probably no there's probably no gratitude in that van. It's a little terror. <laughs> All right, all right. So let's get back into this. Let's get back into maybe the, cut uh, that part out of there. This this show portion. We're not cutting out anything, Chuck. <laughs> you you fucking hey, you lay in the bed you make. Um, <laughs> all right. So a lot of the, a lot of the cases that you work, or some of the cases that you've worked in the past. Yeah. Uh, child pornography. Yeah, yeah, that's a big one. So, um, so let me yeah to kind of just broach the subject. So. How we, how we generally work child pornography cases is every picture or video that's like, you know, on your computer has like an embedded hashtag value. It's not something you kind of just see on the surface, but a value is like, like calculated by like, you know, computer mm-hmm. and given to like this image. Right. Yeah. And if the hashtag value is exactly the same for another picture, mm-hmm. it's because it's the exact same picture. Okay. Okay. So that's like sh- like a shared photo or something. So yeah, like if I sent you a photo of um, if I sent you a dick pic, mm-hmm. um, you your know, dick has a hashtag value. Exactly. <laughs> okay. It'll have a hashtag value. I'm gonna check mine out. Just try to figure yeah. that out. Yeah. Like, is this a big big enough hashtag value? <laughs> yeah. Oh no, pixels. Like, <laughs> Is this value enough for her? Um, but anyways, uh, so every picture and or and video has hashtag values, right? Yeah. And um, so there is a database that's kept nationally mm-hmm. that basically gathers all hashtag values that are known to be child pornography. Okay. Okay. So, and is that from like an algorithm? Like they're seeing the picture... And it's almost like putting it. So the, an algorithm determines to, the hashtag value, right? But I mean, it's not as though like you can just look at a hashtag value and say that's child. Well, I'm saying like the way that they collect it is that a human actually putting so, the value on it for the child pornography. So and, the hashtag value is auto, like right, you know, like algorithmically mm-hmm. created. However, like once law enforcement encounters child pornography, yeah, I look at this and I go, okay, this is child pornography. You now tag it. I, I tag it or I send it to the database yeah. to say, hey, this is child pornography. And they just know that that, child, that hashtag value is child pornography. Yeah. Now, ISPs or internet service providers, mm-hmm. they, they, they see what their clients, you know, all their users, you know, yeah. are trading back and forth. And they can determine if they look at a hashtag value, like, hey, we know that this hashtag value is child pornography, and this guy living at this address with this IP address is trading that hashtag value. Mm-hmm. And many other hashtag values that we also have determined is child pornography. Right. Now, internet service providers are not the police, so they're not going to do anything about it, but they do turn that list over. To us, yeah, on a regular basis. Oh shit, that's amazing. Yeah, dude. Like, so is it just like a like every month or quarterly or whatever bullshit? Exactly. Okay. So now we, as law enforcement, get this list, mm-hmm. and you might think like, oh, perfect, just go out and arrest everybody on that list. Uh, there's a lot of people on this list. <laughs> oh man, like 
if if my agency's sole purpose was all we care about now is child pornography, mm-hmm. we would still not be able to arrest everybody. You would be the wow. CPA, the child pornography agency. agency. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> there's one more, maybe just add that one onto the three. So, <laughs> so this is the problem: is those lists are like ridiculously long. Okay. So what we have to do is we actually have to filter through it. Yeah. Um, and we have to figure out of all these people that are, you know, trading child pornography on, mm-hmm. online, which ones are the ones that are what we determine as higher value targets. Okay. Higher value because they are people with access to children. Oh wow. So if you're a school teacher and you're on this list, yeah, you're, you're priority number one for us. Mm-hmm. Or you're a coach. Right. Or you're actually a law enforcement officer. A or priest? you're a priest. Yes. I appreciate that. I got two More or less, if you're someone who yeah. you know has access to children on a regular basis, yeah. um, and you're on this list, then then you become priority number one for us. So we have to narrow down that list to people that fit those so, descriptions. I have, a, I have a question for you. Um, <clears throat> oh, two questions, actually. Yeah. All right. So how often do you see like someone accidentally getting a photo or so, someone like per- perusing the internet on like a, a, like a pretty fucked up website and getting a photo and, and looking at it or um, I don't know like someone sending it to them like how do you how do you um, judge that so once again with this list um, we're not looking for the guy who had one hashtag value this list includes people that are like trading like terabytes of this stuff it's Jesus like very Christ, clear man. that they are like they're seeking it out versus like yeah. I mean, yeah, we're them. we're going after the people that are you know trading this stuff at a very very high volume, and once again, the list is, it's it's uh, it's unending. Okay. Uh, yeah. So there then, there are not enough resources. Yeah. To put all these pedophiles away. And so my second question is, what are the, what do you have to go through, or like, what's the process of actually getting a warrant for one of these guys? Is that so, an issue? It's not really an issue. I mean, the main issue is just finding like worthy targets. Yeah. Because there's so many to choose from. Yeah. So if we find a good one, then what we'll do is we'll actually use some of the programs that they use mm-hmm. or apps that they use. You know, yeah. if they're doing it with their phones, and we'll reach out to them, not as the law enforcement, but as like. Fellow pedophile, little quote unquote, little Kevin, or or, or, or oh, it, oh, I'm sorry, other pedophile. Okay, All yeah, right. or or either. Right, I'm thinking like to catch a predator right now. Like, oh, they, and they, I have good stories about that, dude. Uh, we'll, we'll get to. <laughs> so, anyways, um, yeah. So, you know, we might just you know, reach out to them and we'll be like, hey, can I get you know, some of that footage or whatever? Yeah. Um, and then they send it to us. It's like, bam, right there. That's it. They we we actively, you know, so received based- it from them. Yeah. And so we'll take that to a judge and be like, hey, we're looking at this person for possible, you know, under suspicion of trafficking child pornography or whatever, you know. Right. Like, and uh, they gave it to us. So obviously they're doing it. That's obviously it. they have it. They, they, so they, they, and they, the judge will be like, OK, sign, you know. Yeah. And then, um, you know, the next day or whatever, we'll show up at their house, uh, knock on their door. Mm-hmm. 
police search warrant if they don't answer your door within, you know, X, what, and, X amount the, of time. Yeah, the, tra- <laughs> the training dictates within a reasonable amount of time. Yeah. So if it's like a studio apartment and they don't get to the door within like 15 seconds, yeah, we'll just hit the door. We'll just ram the door in. Yeah. Which is like a highlight of my job. That battery ram. <laughs> yeah. Can you go up like this? Powerful. Can you go like that? Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's good How times. much does that thing weigh? Uh, I think it weighs like... I think it weighs around like 60 pounds or something. It's wow. the point of contact when it hits. Yeah. That would be so much fun. The, the secret <sighs> is you need to um, get it high enough because you want to use gravity to assist as you're coming down nice. with the ram. And then you want to hit the door like perfectly like parallel because if the ram is like off and you hit it like uh, that it'll, it like, it'll kind of skip off and yep. the force won't be distributed okay. well enough so you want to get the ram to hit the door perfectly like nice. flat uh, with like high enough you know it's almost like a kettlebell that I like that's what I imagine yeah, yeah. like yeah. the way you yeah so you want to yeah you want to get it so you want to hit it flush with the door so you want to hit it flush with the door and then the other thing is the second it hits the door you need to immediately bail from the doorway because that's you know it's kind of doorways are kind of known to be like bundles of death for law enforcement because wow. if if they saw you pull up you yeah. know and they're like i'm not they're not taking me alive yeah and you barricade yourself and you have your then whatever can... your rifle whatever and then you're waiting you're pointing at that doorway and so the second you bl- blow that door open if you're standing right there you're the first one getting shot yeah so you hit the door you immediately get out of the way and then um, the other two agents that you know are making entry, they'll aim in with their rifles yeah. immediately, so that if there's a guy waiting there to shoot, we can shoot them first, hopefully. Yeah. Or that's. And and the thing is, is, like you might think like, oh, pedophiles, like that's not as dangerous as like raiding a drug house, you know, like with gang members. But the the problem with like a lot of pedophiles is, if they know they're gonna go to prison or whatever, they know they're not gonna have a good time there. They know that they're. They'd rather be and so, suicided by cop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so a lot of times they'll either take their own lives or mm-hmm. suicide by cop yeah. or just get into a shootout. And um, like I, I have a couple friends that have been in shootouts involving like child pornography, you know, yeah, search shit, warrants yeah. and stuff. Um, it's, it's crazy. So I mean, if you're a drug well, dealer, you go to prison. I mean, you're just a I mean, drug dealer yeah, in prison. You're just, yeah, you belong there. Yeah. yeah. And then all the other prisoners, are like, yo, when I get out of here, let me get that. Right, right. Get that contact. Like if you're a drug yeah. dealer, prisoners are more or other they're people just, who they're, are they're in... called peers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then you have to be in like protective custody as like a, a well, that's pedophile the thing, and is, stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not like they put you in special pedophile prisons. Yeah. I mean, you're going to prison. Yeah. Everybody just hates you. I mean, it has. Oh, they have yeah. to. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I've I've heard I've heard horror stories of what happens to some pedophiles in prison. Yeah. And it's I fine. mean, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, on one hand, it's like good. On the other hand, it's like I mean, I don't know if street justice, so to speak, is like. Well, you have to abide by that, right? If you're, I mean, if you're in that if you're in that realm, you have to be like, if, well, if give I were them a justice. Guard, yeah. If I were a prison guard and I saw it happening, I would stop it. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I don't lose sleep over You're pedophiles not lose sleep. getting messed yeah. up in prison either. Yeah. It's still like a human, though. So that's like the hard it, part. Exactly. You know? I mean, their sentence is whatever amount of time they get in prison. It's not right. to get, like, raped every day or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's just it, sometimes it's it's hard to see someone who did, uh, right. like, uh, raped a kid versus a guy who sold some weed. You right. know? Right. 
it's it's a little it, yeah it's different different it, severities right but and so a guy selling weed he might get yeah. 15 years versus a guy who rapes a kid might get 10 and we're not in the Weird. we're not in the judging system we're not you know yeah i mean yeah you it is, you it deal is you you catch them they judge them yeah you can't really think right. about that too much yeah. you know that's not your 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 scope of uh exactly expertise. i mean and, and that's the thing too is like it's easy to get caught up on in cases where you're just like, oh, this guy needs to go away for a long time, yeah. And then for whatever reason, like they get off with like a really light sentence. You might be like super pissed and like, oh, this justice system is all yeah. messed up. But I mean, you're doing over, your job. Over time, you learn to like, you know, just let it go. Yeah. I mean, I do my job. I hope that you know the U.S. Attorney's Office does a good job, mm-hmm. and that you know justice will prevail. But. So, so what I'm seeing more, and I, and I would love your opinion on this. I don't know if you can give your opinion on this. Um, I mean, sure. Uh, so, I'm seeing now, um, you know, more and more in the news, uh, you're getting these high level um, people that are that are getting caught, and and no longer can like money save them in a lot of instances. Not all of them. I'm sure there's a ton where people are still fighting it, but you're seeing. Like the Epstein case, the right? Ghislaine, Maxwell, Gisling, Gisling, whatever. Yeah, uh, and so you're seeing them get caught, and they're almost like uh, the the scapegoats for it. But there's X amount of people that are are involved in this, right? Um, do you do you now see this as kind of like a reckoning, almost like, hey, you can't hide behind a billion dollars anymore or whatever. You can't go to <clears throat> Uh, an island somewhere like where do you see it going from ne- from here I mean uh, I mean uh, who knows yeah I mean once it gets to a certain point yeah I don't think even the best lawyers in the world are going to save you mm-hmm. uh, at the same time you know if you're not directly under a spotlight do I think a lot of rich people get away with stuff like pedophilia or you know just like Sexual abuse of minors, etc. Yeah, um, yeah. That Sucks. guy, that guy. I think he was from Florida. He was like a Florida senator or something. Do, all right, do you remember this? It was probably like six months ago. A bunch of guys like died in his house from like meth overdoses, and like he was, he was like bringing them in to to have sex with them, and then they were like dying of drug overdoses. Like what? what like what happens to him in that? You know, because I don't think he got charged really for anything. I mean, so in general, I mean, I, I don't know that specific case, but like the justice system, it can be messed up, obviously, sometimes because like a lot of people complain about like, you know, police brutality and like, oh, you know, the whole system protects the police, you know, and there's no real justice, you know, like a if a police officer does something wrong, he's going to get protected. He's never going to get in trouble. And, I mean, does that happen? Yeah. I mean, it looks like it does happen. And, um, yeah. But does it always happen? No. You know, police officers get indicted, you know, and yeah. they get convicted. Not only do they lose their jobs, they also get sent to prison. Mm-hmm. Like, stuff like that happens. Um, you know, is it possible for, like, a police officer to, you know do something wrong and then like the police chief is really like best friends with the DA's office right and then kind of just kind of gives them a nudge and like hey this guy's a hard working guy yeah you know just 
you know. Like maybe is, that, is that like the like a the one mistake kind of thing? Like, oh, he's a good guy. He made a mistake, and yeah, I mean, I mean, and obviously, I'm just thinking. I'm making up like a hypothetical. Right. But, you know, c- could I see that happening in real life? Yeah, I mean, sure. You know, yeah. I'm sure that kind of stuff has happened. You know, on many occasions. Obviously, it shouldn't. You know, like my agency has like an internal affairs division yeah. that, you know, is separate from the other agents. So in the internal affairs division is made up of other special agents, mm-hmm. but um, they they don't work in the same building. They don't, you know, they don't so have any normal contact with special a- the other agents. Yeah, because their job is to be separated. And if they get complaints or whatever, to be as unbiased, tips, yeah, they need to be unbiased and they need to investigate. And if they find this, you know, agent doing something wrong mm-hmm. to, you know, ratify that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like that's like the checks and balances that that's kind of set up, yeah. you know? And so, you know, we know like as agents, like, you know, if you're screwing up, like, you could become paranoid and start looking over your shoulder like is are there other other you know is ia looking at me are they yeah. going to come after me and maybe you know if you're doing something wrong hopefully they will and they'll catch you mm-hmm. you'll get you know lose your job and or get prosecuted yeah you know so uh in the past agencies have been known to be pretty uh pretty wild i, I look i'll say this right now i love my country i love I love all of the people that protect the country. Um, I'm pro-police, I'm pro-military, I'm pro-CIA, FBI, everything. We are just as bad <laughs> as other countries. All right? So I guess I'm a nationalist, right? So I know that we're just as bad as a lot of other countries. Well, I mean, albeit a few. Russia, China is pretty, uh, pretty horrific in some of their dealings. What else? Uh, maybe India? I have no idea. But um, in the past, these agencies have done some pretty insane things, right? So all these operations, like, what is it? Operation uh, Midnight, uh, whatever, with, I I think it was the FBI, where they were like, they would like drug the guys with like acid or something and then like surveil them in like whorehouses, right? Like these were, these were real things. Sure. Yeah. What was it? Midnight or something oh god i can't remember the actual uh um, I, I i vaguely know what you're talking about yeah. yeah so so now you say checks and balances has it it's it's kind of completely has it changed in that in that aspect yeah i mean even just talking to like older senior agents that yeah. have been with the agency for like 20 plus years yeah i mean even they tell me like oh man back in the day we used to do this you know, like we'd never you know, and stuff you'd that never. That was a good old day. Yeah, you, <laughs> stuff, stuff you'd never get away with now, right? right? Or if, if you yeah. got caught doing it, it'd be like re- repercussions. Anytime you hear the good old days, you know, like they were just doing completely like <laughs> terrible <laughs> yeah. things. You know, yeah. yeah. Anytime one of them tell me back in the day, I'm like, okay, here we go. <laughs> yeah. I buckle myself in. I'm yeah. like, all right, is this something I need to report? We, what we kind of racist to... shit is gonna come yeah. out of your mouth? We right weren't pussified like you. Yeah. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, so this is the thing, and I realize that this is anecdotal because it's only one one person's experience. But in my ten plus years of law enforcement experience, yeah, uh, I've never seen like okay in regards to police brutality. I've never seen it. I've never seen another officer 
like abusing their power to hurt someone else or anything like that. When it comes to corruption, when I used to work the border, there was... Oh, I'm sure. There was one officer that uh, I used to work with that ended up getting arrested and, uh, you know, indicted for uh, smuggling. So he would, like, facilitate the smuggling at the border. Yeah. Um, And... I could kind of see it coming. Like I'd never seen him do any anything shady, and yeah. had I seen him do something really shady, I would have called IA about it for sure. Right. Um, but like Af- afterthought, or but like, it, like in hindsight, looking back at him, like for example, like if you're a, if you work for the federal government uh, as a law enforcement officer, you're not allowed to live uh, outside the country, you know, without permission. Right. Um, but a lot of us were like semi sure he might be living in Tijuana because okay. we'd see him like crossing and back like a nice villa like somewhere. right right before his shift oh shit okay and stuff you know yeah um now like like had I seen him cross the border right before his shift yeah like a, a few times was it enough that like I was like sure like I think this guy's living in Mexico no it wasn't like he yeah. could have just gone to Mexico that morning and come back but like, but some of us were like, oh, he might be, but yeah. we weren't sure. But anyway, this guy ended up getting arrested for facilitating, you know, smuggling and stuff, and so he got, I mean, he got sent to prison. You know, well, yeah, it all goes back. Oh. It all goes back to that training too, like right. to, to see how many, like, do they have x amount of red flags, right? So yeah, dealings yeah. in foreign countries, shit yeah, like yeah. that. And so I mean, like, of my ten plus years in law enforcement, he's the only person that. I've ever known to be like corrupt, but in regards to like stuff I've seen with my own two eyes, like I've never seen like a corrupt cop. Yeah, like, there's no Denzel Washingtons from Training yeah, Day. Yeah, out there. exactly. <laughs> <There's> no... <laughs> and, and 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 the thing is, I feel like you know the media portrays as like, or I no, not even that. I feel like the average person thinks like, oh yeah, cops see other corrupt cops all the time, but they protect each other. And in my experience, that's 100% BS. Well. It's a human condition if you see something wrong. Like, you're going to be like, well, yo, what the fuck are you doing, man? Right. And, I mean, like, people might not think much of it, but we are literally sworn, you know, to uphold yeah. the Constitution and to protect our homeland and et cetera, et cetera, yeah. right? Like, if we see a corrupt agent, like, even if we don't go to the the extent of, like, confronting them about it or trying to arrest them on it or something at the very least i mean yeah we're gonna like call ia and be like yo i saw him here doing this am i 100 percent sure that you know it, it was what it looked like no but you guys should check it out yeah i mean that's the least any decent agent would do right you know and like and, and the thing is is like my time as a local cop you know or at the border or you know with my current job like I've never seen anything that made me like, like think like, oh shoot, I should really do something about this guy. Yeah. This guy's out of control, or and that's never been the case. Also, if you see someone that is, how many? All right, so how often do like law enforcement get psych evals? I feel like that's a problem as well. I feel like the local law enforcement they need to to be constantly. All right, so like with the the seals, and this was actually uh, Rogan talked to like Willink about this. Um, you know, I think Jocko Willink said something, Navy SEAL, uh, he said, uh, they train, you know, 20% of the time, right? And there's, there's a big issue with 
training with local law enforcement is because you don't have enough people or you don't have the resources or if you take 20% of the people out of the pool, yeah, you got that Kelly Cream in there. That's good. That's oh, good. Love it. Yeah. Um, it, it's hard to it's hard to train 20% of the people or the people 20% of the time, right? Because you right. just bring them out of the pool. Yeah, and I, I know exactly that interview you're talking about is yeah. like the most recent Jocko, uh, Joe Rogan. Yeah podcast and I, I i agree like a thousand percent yeah and, and the thing is it's like one like law enforcement in general and my agency as well like we have to call or qualify our firearms proficiency right every quarter four right. times a year okay um now one might not argue one might argue like is that is that enough you know, because, I mean, that that's it. Like, we'll, we'll have, like, a warm-up, and then we'll qual. Yeah. And then, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll do different training exercises. Right. Shooting. Um, you know, and it's good, but four times a year. Now, when it comes to, like, uh, defensive tactics and, like, learning how to, like, fight people without mm-hmm. a gun. Or mitigate uh, the, the amount of violence that happens or the amount of... You know what I mean? Like negotiation tactics or... Right. Um, that stuff. Like just general use of force. Yeah. Um, it's tough. There, First of all, there's no qualifications that are done. Nope. Um, and most law enforcement agencies, they, they don't even have like quarterly requirements. You know, that's yeah, like almost like a threat triangle or something, mm-hmm. right? Like right. it meets intention and yeah, the, yeah. the ability, whatever. And and so, and it's it's backwards because you're going to go hands on with way more people than you're going to actually shoot. You know, mm-hmm. um, for sure. But that's like something we spend so little time on. Yeah. And so I think it's a huge issue. Um, I think maybe the average person might think like, oh yeah, the average cop. They're probably like a decent fighter, you know. But the truth is, is no. The average law enforcement officer is like Joe Schmo that you know works at Trader Joe's or yeah. is an accountant. Yeah. Like, like are they trained to be like ready to handle conflict? Yes, but does that make them good at fighting? They they no. have a very basic level of combat training. Yeah, they have very hand. basic level of combat training. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's from back in the academy. Yeah. And as soon as that academy is over, you know, if they don't choose to pursue that training, like, right, that's it. And you do see, you do see a fair amount of people in, in, you know, even in the military, in the, um, the military law enforcement agency, stuff like that. You see, uh, people still continuing the training just because it's, it's just one of those things, one of the things that you kind of. If you're in this realm of of work, you, you have an interest in it either way, right? But I mean, you'd think. Um, I mean, if you're like a normal police officer, you know, patrol cop, probably. Like, not. hopefully, you have some level of interest of like, oh, I should better myself and learn how to like fight hand to hand, learn how to grapple, stuff like that. But I mean, the truth is, many don't. And many overestimate their ability and skill. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, you know, like, I train Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and the first time, like, I ever, my first day at Brazil, you know, at Jiu-Jitsu, 
I put on my rental gi, you know, my loner gi, and I tie my, you know, my white belt. I'm like, okay, here we go. And like, I went in fairly confident because at the time I had 10 plus years of law enforcement experience. Yeah. You know, You're a fit so, guy. You, you know, I'm fit. And um, I, I was a varsity wrestler back mm-hmm. in high school. So I'm like, I got this. And uh, I did not have this. You know, like, <laughs> I, I got, I got, I got tuned up. Yeah. You know? By just like regular guys yep. that just train the regular assassin guys. nerds, dude. Yeah, 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 exactly. They're all they're, they're like assassins. they're like go ahead. They're like, oh, you have varsity level wrestling. Go ahead, throw me on my back. Let me show you what yeah. I do to you. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> exactly. Okay, I'm getting choked out. Yeah. yeah, and I was I was completely sold when uh, the first time like I rolled with uh, this female who was uh, maybe about a hundred ten pounds. Uh, she's like maybe like five foot four, like really like fairly petite woman. Mm-hmm. She was a blue belt. I was like at the time I was like a two month white belt, and uh, I had easily seventy eighty pounds on her. Yeah. And during while we were rolling, I'm doing everything I can to like control and submit this person, and I couldn't. And she was doing everything she could to get me too, and in the end, it was like a stalemate. No yeah. one submitted each other. We were constantly struggling the whole time. Yeah. Now, she was once again 110 pound woman. Right. Um, isn't that crazy? And much weaker than me. It's wild. Man. You know, and I'm not some untrained like person that like never tried this before. Like, I've been training there for a couple months. I have prior grappling experience through wrestling. And I'd, you know, been through a few police academies, yeah. you know, because of my jobs. So, yeah, if her training there for, like, a couple of years made her able to just be on, like, even footing with me mm-hmm. and rolling around the ground, like, like if that doesn't sell you that, that it's a real thing, then I don't know what will. It, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And that's where you met Chuck, right? What, what's, what's your guys' story here? Um, I mean, so we started, you know, we, we met through jujitsu and yeah, we started training. I, I start, I was a white belt for a long time and, but we always had like good matchups. Mm-hmm. It was funny. Like, well, basically like we just had great roles. I've, we, we continue you. I feel like you've been out of it for a little bit. And the last time we rolled that you were like, dude, fuck this. You're like, <laughs> you kind of pissed off at me. I feel like. Not not pissed, but we, are, you, are you talking about when we rolled at our uh, at Jeremiah? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I feel like um, we just have not like good matchups. When I got my blue belt, it was like I was like, you know, I just like I was like thanking everybody, and I like called <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, it's <was> hilarious. <laughs> it was pretty funny at, I, his, at his promotion ceremony, like out, out of nowhere. I don't even remember how it got brought up. You're just was, like, oh, you know, like oh, it's been such a journey and. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know why. Oh, uh, yeah, I just said my own name. I'm so stupid. Well, I'm <laughs> writing down the uh, times right oh, now. Yeah. Perfect, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, but, but I said uh, I was like, yeah, I was like Jimmy. Just want to say. Actually, I don't know why I'm even saying your name right now. <laughs> but like, and then I like went to his line, you know. In the, in the, <laughs> but it was cool. It was yeah. No, dude, we always had like good roles and like good matchups. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's yeah. I mean, I guess that's how we. You know, we've always kind of kept in contact. I guess you know, there's there's a, I mean, there's like an inner circle of uh, P 
people in jujitsu that like there, there's people you want to roll with and there's people you don't. And I feel like from early on, like even though I was a white belt and probably like a little spazzy, but um, yeah, just like good rolls all the time, man. So how do you think it's affected you, Jimmy? Like uh, doing training, uh, doing combat training in the field. Like, are you more confident? Like, what is it? So yeah, jujitsu is awesome because, like, once I started doing it, I noticed that when I would get into fights at work, yeah, I was just way more calm. Yeah. Um, because back in the day, like, you'd be like up to here, you'd be like amped up. Once it's like, oh, it's going down, and like your heart rate just ramps, and you're just like. Get on the ground! Get on the ground! You know, like, wow. don't move! You know, like, and you're, you're freaking out, and then the other guy, like, he hears that, and they're freaking out, yeah. and they want to respect in kind. There's an I ex- mean, they want to respond There's an escalation, right? Definitely. You know, because it's inevitable. Like, when you get that adrenaline, adrenaline dump, and yeah. you, you're just, like, yelling commands... You get that you tacky need... psyche, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so, like, I noticed after I started training jiu-jitsu, and after I started getting more proficient... Like, I would roll with people easily. Excuse me, like... Jimmy just oh, burped I can, right I can... into it. <laughs> Fuck the uh. listeners. Oh, okay, there we go. <laughs> oh, much better. Yeah, so... Yeah, well, I, I'd start rolling with people, like, yeah. easily 70 pounds on me. Yeah. Like, guys way bigger than me. And I realized, like, hey, I can, like, survive with these guys. Yeah. I realized, like, oh, shoot. Like, now when I, like, need to arrest someone who's fighting back... And this guy's my size, and he doesn't have any training. It's an easy day. Dude, it's, it's the easiest day. It, it's, it's to the point, like, I'm calm while I'm making arrests to the point where I think, like, it's disconcerting for my arrestees. Yeah. Because they're struggling with me, and I'm on top of them. And they're, they're doing everything they can to not get arrested. And then I just, like, trap them with, like, simple, you know, arm locks and stuff. And I just yeah. go, hey, sir, you just got to calm down. Hey, yeah. Yeah. Hey, just ease up, you know, it's going to be fine. Hey, just put your other hand behind your back. And then once once they realize, like, I'm not freaking out and, like, I, I, apparently I'm in control, they, they tend to just 100%. give in. 100%. It's just that give control, that it's easy. that confidence, and it's that calmness that really shows, like, um, like the level of authority. Because if you have a guy that's screaming and he – if the cop's screaming and he's punching you, you're like, yo, this fucking hurts, right? But if you have a if you have a guy who can wrap you up fairly easy. Right. And it's not hurting you too much, there's some discomfort, but you know in your training how much discomfort that guy's even getting. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So, you've so done the whole it so like, many times. One hundred percent. So if you're gonna if you're gonna handcuff a guy behind his back, you're gonna cuff him in, in a like a respectful kind of way to where you know it's not gonna hurt them too much to where they're going to start now struggling and right. squirming and, and resisting and, quote unquote. And when you're using force while you're panicking, it's hard to control how much force you're using and, and things no, like that. No. So. Chuck, did you have something to say on that? Uh, uh, well, no, I was going to say like, I like your example of uh, using like such a, it's like, I don't want to say it's an impractical move because it's practical, but semi-impractical like using an omoplata oh, yeah. to like oh, well, handcuff somebody yeah. Yeah. you know what so, I'm saying it's so weird <laughs> so omoplata for anyone that doesn't train jujitsu it's it's a shoulder lock that you initiate using your legs and so you're using your legs to control the person's shoulder and your legs are way stronger and it gets them into a position where like they just can't move and if you 
feel inclined, you can easily just kind of lean forward and break their shoulder. Mm-hmm. And they feel it coming. You know, it's not like it's going to be sudden. And so they can't move. They feel a lot of like increasing pain in their shoulder. They know that, hey, if I don't calm down, this guy can just break it. Yeah. And so funny story, like, um, you know, my most recent academy um, with my current agency, I'd already been training jujitsu and I was fighting an instructor and like the point of the, you know, the scenario was like, you need to arrest this instructor. And so like the scenario starts where like, uh, I'm already on my back and the instructor jumps on top of me um, and and my guard. So my legs are like kind of wrapped around his waist and they, they, they teach you basic, you know, escapes with someone's in your guard so that you can like get away from them and then try to like, whatever, use your tools on your belt and stuff to like subdue someone. Yeah. But then from him being in my guard, I transitioned right into an omoplata and I was holding him down and he was like face down. His arm is like completely behind his back. And I was just calm and I was just like, all right, sir, can you just put your other hand behind your back? <laughs> and he was like, uh, okay. And then he did. <laughs> yeah. And then like, I, I calmly just took my handcuffs out of my belt yeah. And clip one on and grab his other hand, clipped it on, That's and then, the, like, you know, <laughs> maneuvered myself out of the omoplata while he's handcuffed. That's like that involuntary compliance right there. They're like, all right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't and, wanna... and so it was, it was perfect. And the other instructors were cracking up because it was yeah. like, man, I've never seen anyone do anything like that before. Yeah. And, like, and I'm not even, like, great at jujitsu, you know? Like, but, like, you know, getting a few years in, mm-hmm. like, you learn a lot. I mean, it's like anything. Like, you might suck at basketball if you've never played basketball, but if you go play pickup games three times a week yeah. for three years, yeah. you're probably going to be a decent basketball player, especially against someone who's never played basketball. 100%. Yeah. If you're a shitty comic and you go <laughs> three times a week for three years, you'll be a, you'll be a much better comic. Exactly. It's really yeah. anything that you do. Right. Exactly. It goes with anything, right? And so, and that's why fighting in general is so funny because people just assume, like, oh man, you don't know, man. Like, if I if I get into a fight, I just see red, and you, oh man, I'll I'll knock people out. Like, no, no, you won't. No, you won't. That's like saying, like, oh, you, oh, dude, I've seen so much surfing on TV. Yeah. If I jumped on a surfboard. Oh, you'd see me tearing up those waves. Like, right. no, oh, no, you, you won't. You're a UFC fan? Yeah. Like, oh, well, have you ever fought before? <laughs> and, but that's the thing is when it comes to fighting, I think people just think that yeah. they can do it. Like, because yeah. they know how to physically throw a punch. Mm-hmm. They know how to, like, aim for someone's face. And they think that if they throw that punch at that person's face, it's going to make contact. Boards don't hit back. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean... Yeah, and the same thing goes for, like, ground fighting. You know, people, yeah. and, like, I I was one of those examples. I was like, oh, I was a varsity wrestler. Like, I'm good on the ground. Yeah. And I realized I was not. I'm, sh- I'm sure that helped. But, like, the thing is with jujitsu, it's like it gives you that comfort of, yeah, I mean, controlling some, in, like, controlling somebody's body, knowing, like, what, like, the, um, the points are where, you know, to get control. And then, like, you're gently basically whooping somebody's ass like you that's like that's the idea and it's like because like when you get choked in jujitsu it's not it's like oh like sometimes it's a neck crank but like if you're getting choked out it's just like oh shit i'm going to sleep right now yeah. and you're like tapping out Tap it. Tap but it's it like sometimes it's almost like it doesn't feel like it's that painful or a choke or you know you don't understand like that's why the moves are so sneaky it's like 
you, you don't necessarily feel like they have something and then all of a sudden they do. But I mean, I can see like if somebody doesn't know any jujitsu, I mean, yeah. you're going to, I mean, even a bigger guy, you're going to, it's going to work. I'm a huge advocate for, I'm a huge advocate, especially for, I mean, you know, Chuck with your, your, um, BJJ, what is it? Martial arts med. Martial arts med. Yeah. Um, so Candice will probably start taking lessons at some point just because she's had to deal with, you know, she's in, um, she's in like the, uh, neuro neuro, uh, it's like neuro step down, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah I mean, and so she deals with a lot of like combative people. It's just the idea of being comfortable when somebody starts yeah. freaking out and like realizing that, you know, it's not like you're out of control, you know, being able to subdue or at least fight off someone who's a hundred pounds more than her right yeah. in that in that instance yeah. and one one in my in my local you know police officer day is like i've taken plenty of you know like 5150s like crazy people mm-hmm. to the hospital you know and those people like sometimes they just start fighting you for no reason yeah just because you know they they think you're an evil spirit and suddenly they, yeah. they need to fight you <laughs> yep right and <laughs> i feel bad because like as an officer, I have like stuff on my belt. I got my baton, my OC spray, my taser, yeah, um, to fight them with. But I mean, let's say I drop off a fifty-one fifty at the hospital, and they're compliant thus far, and I'm like, "All right, you have a good day, sir or ma'am." They're like, "Okay, thank you." <sighs> and then, like a second later, they look at the nurse and they're like, "You will never take me, demon." Yeah, <laughs> and, then, oh, yes. and then and they, they just go off. Yeah. Like, That's the thing. You drop them and then you leave. Yeah. The nice thing is we do have drugs. Like we have like <laughs> we, have, <laughs> we have lots of things to give them. But yeah. the thing is, that you have to yeah, you have to get an IV. And then like, what if they're not even restrained right away? Right. And now you have to do that. And you have to rely on security, which sometimes isn't even trained well. Exactly. You know? Like it's it might just be a a big guy. Yeah. If if that there was there was actually this is a kind of crazy back in Indiana there was a guy that was um, he was I don't know two hundred almost three hundred pounds and he was an aggressive you know kind of going through psychological delirium and was just kind of attacking the nurses well there was two ex police officers there were security guards went to um, you know restrain this guy and get him back in bed well he got the this um, ex like chief of police uh, which was now a security guard in like a chokehold, basically like a rear naked. Right? Right, right. And what happened was he was getting choked out by this big dude. Um, and he told the other security guard to shoot. They're all armed security there. And unfortunately he shot not only the chief of police officer, but the guy, they shot both of them. Oh, um, so, but the thing is like in that situation, like how could they have handled it different? Like it, with extra training, would it have been better? You know, like it's like maybe, I mean, it, it's tough to say, you know, but, um, in those situations, it's like, how much would you just do help? Like if he trained for years and years, you know, even if it's as simple as a blue belt, if somebody grabs your neck, you know, immediately to grab their arm and right. not let that get sunk in, you know, right. or even be in that position, you get a little scrappy, but it's unfortunate those things. Happen. So, how, yeah. So how do you see yourself now um, in the current climate that we're, we're facing right now with um, the anti police? police yeah, man. What what it's it's rough times right now because like yeah I mean for me I'm super happy that I don't wear a uniform anymore yeah. like I'm plain clothes so yeah like you would never know that I'm a cop mm-hmm. by looking at me on the street or by the car my 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 car I drive yeah like it's an unmarked police car right and it's not even like an obvious police car it's not like a 
well, I mean, Crown Vic's don't even Yeah, yeah, I was going to say Crown Vic's. It's not like, you know, a a Ford Explorer, you know? Like, it's like... What kind of car is it? No, (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll put it at this. It's it's an import. It's not even American-made. Yeah. It's not a car that you would expect, you know, to be a police car. Uh, Funny story about that, actually. Um, A few weeks ago, I had to go up to Orange County uh, for one of my investigations, uh, so me and my buddy, he jumped in my car that day. Why, why both drive an hour and a half, right? So he jumped in my car. We went up there. We did some surveillance. Uh, it was good. Called it a day and driving back down. Once I got down to like San Diego area, um, on the freeway, I'm in the carpool lane. I was going about 80. Mm-hmm. Nothing crazy. It's going like 80. Oh, it's a standard right there. Exactly, right? Yeah. Um, and then... I notice I'm coming up like on a San Diego Sheriff's car. Now, this is the thing. We're on the freeway. Rule of thumb, if you're local law enforcement, like unless you have fairly good reason, you're not going to make traffic stops outside of your quote-unquote lane. Right. So local cops don't typically make traffic stops on the freeway because that's kind of CHP's game. Right. Um. If you're a San Diego PD officer, you're probably not going to make a traffic stop in like where the sheriff's patrol right? or in Chula Vista yeah, or in, you know, like somewhere where there's actually like a, a, right. a police department you're for gonna, that city. Yeah. Now, can you? Yes, because all California peace officers have authority to, you know, all right. use yeah, police okay. powers anywhere in California. You can be a San Diego PD officer and you, you can pull someone over in San Francisco. No shit. Yeah, I mean, okay. what you're doing up there is another Yeah, why are you yeah, right, <laughs> in your right, police yeah. car? But you can yeah, for legal purposes. Now, anyways, so typically, unless you have a decent reason, you're not. I mean, mm-hmm. like when I was a local cop, I've made traffic stops on the freeway, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But typically, no. So you're going 80? Yeah, so I'm going 80, carpool lane, and then next to me in the, in the fast lane, not carpool, see a San Diego Sheriff's car. And, and they're probably going like 75. I don't think much of it because I think in my head, like, yeah, he's just getting to his whatever city he's, you know, yeah. going to patrol that because he's not patrolling the freeway. Mm-hmm. And then um, I, I, I finally catch up to him. And then right when I'm about to pass him, all of a sudden I hear like, wee wee And like he turns on the full sirens. <laughs> and I was like, what the? And I look over to my right and my, <laughs> my, my buddy in the car with me, we both look over and he's like staring at us. Or trying to, because I have tinted windows <laughs> uh, in my work car, and and he's just staring at us. So I'm like, okay, all right, like I'm not gonna like, <laughs> oh, I'm, dude, I'm not gonna I try to, this. I'm not gonna try to flex, you know, I'm not gonna, yeah. oh, what are you gonna do? So like I'm like, and he doesn't know I'm a cop, you know, I'm mm-hmm. playing car, so I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. So I just let off the gas and I go 75, mm-hmm. so we're cruising next to each other. And for a while, it's like, whatever, I don't care. Like, I'm not going to, like, go this guy into, like, possibly pulling me over. Yeah. And so I just keep cruising 75. And eventually, he starts changing lanes to get onto a, another interchange, right? He's about to take an off-ramp. And then uh, as he's almost about to get on that off-ramp, slowly I start going back up to 80. Once again, like, I'm not trying to goad him, I swear. <laughs> but then all of a sudden, I, like, at... Like, as I'm going faster than him, I see him suddenly do, like, four lane changes. God damn it, man. Right over, the, right over the double yellow lines in the carpool, pulling right behind me, right? And I'm like, 
oh my god, this guy's actually gonna try to pull me over. Yeah. Now, have I been pulled over in my work car before? Yes, by CHP once. I was like in a carpool lane, um, and uh, by myself, and I was going, I was going faster because I was actually trying to get somewhere. I was going like eighty-five, mm-hmm. and he radared me from way ahead, yeah. and he was he was on a motorcycle. Rule of thumb: if CHP, uh, if any motor officer, like a motor officer is a, a police officer on a motorcycle, mm-hmm. if they pull you over, you're guaranteed to get a ticket. Yeah. Um, the only ways you're getting out of a ticket is while he's trying to cite you, he gets like an emergency call from another officer. Yeah. Or if like dispatch clears him, they're like take his lunch because those okay. lunches are fine. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the only two ways <laughs> you're getting out of a ticket by yeah. a motor officer. So he pulls me over, um, and then he approaches my window, and he's like, I radared you at 85 in a 65 zone. Yeah. You have your license registration. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be respectful. You know, he's just doing his job, and I'm doing my job. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going to reach over here, but I'm just letting you know, like, I have my duty weapon on me right here on my hip. Yeah. So and you he, let him know. So, I mean, yeah, because last thing I want is, like, okay, I start reaching for my wallet, and right. all of a sudden he sees, like, my but gun. But it's also, you're also letting him know, like, it's my duty weapon. And he's like, and now it's his I wheels mean, start. Yeah. Am, am I being yeah. articulate for a reason? Yes. Yes, yeah. I am. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say, like, I got a gun on me, bro. Yeah, right. I don't want him to, like, freak out. So I'm like, oh, I got my, uh, ju- uh, yeah, I'll get it for you. My wallet's in my pocket, but I got my duty weapon right here on my side. And then he just goes, oh, you know, like, who do you work for? And I go, I work for such and such. Mm-hmm. And he goes, are you on duty now? I was like, yep. I'm like, this is my uh, unmarked car. And I like point up uh, at the light bars I have concealed in my car. Yeah. And he like turns his head under on my under my window to look up and he sees him and he goes, have a nice day. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, all right. Yeah. So that was that. Was that. So right. that was that. So anyways. Um, That's so funny. I love that So the that sheriff, shit. he flies four lanes over, goes right yeah. behind me. And I'm like, oh, this guy's going to try to pull me over. And I'm like, and he, mind you, freeway stops are very dangerous. Mm-hmm. CHP actually has a very dangerous job because traffic stops already are inherently dangerous because you yeah. don't know if you're pulling over. But freeway stops are even more dangerous because while you have to worry about the person you're pulling over, I'm you got you got to worry about traffic. A mm. lot of officers get killed in the line of duty yeah. simply from doing like traffic stops like on the freeway. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to get pulled over by this guy for for no reason, you know. And so he pulls in behind me. I'm like, okay, this guy's gonna pull me over. So I just reach over and then I flick on my my police lights. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just for a second, just like yeah. on, off, <laughs> just long enough for him to like blatantly see all my lights yeah. like flashing up like a Christmas tree, and then I'm looking in my mirror. I turn on, off, and I'm staring at my mirror, and then I see him just raise his hand like a wave, <laughs> oh, and then and then he suddenly does four lane changes back to the right, Golly. and then he's gone. That's funny. And man. We're, me and my partner are just like chuckling, like oh, it's this guy, yeah, you know, like. So we all need light bars is what you're telling us. Yeah, if I were to just have light bars, I could get out of any ticket. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Pro no tip. Problem. No problem. <laughs> wow. Yeah, man. All yeah. right, uh, I'm going to bring it home now because this is a comedy podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Do a lot of, I interview a lot of comics on here. Um, you've been interested yeah. in the past with doing comedy. Yeah, yeah. What's, uh, what's stopping you? Oh, I mean, uh, 
nothing really. Like it's always been on my like to do list. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like my friends, I would like to like my friends and my friends' wives. They think I'm funny. I mean, that's not you know 100% indicative that you are actually funny, but. It, it, it's evidence as we it's as, the first step as an investigator would call it that's called evidence yeah. <laughs> you know if, if other people tell you you're funny you should try stand up so like yeah going off of that and growing up I've always been like a class clown mm-hmm. in school and stuff uh, I've always enjoyed like talking in front of big groups and making people laugh so it's been on my to-do list but I just hadn't gotten around to it mm-hmm. um, you know Chuck Chuck's been doing stand up and stuff and after I met him and I found out he actually does stand up I was like shoot I I've actually been wanting to do this yeah and so he's like dude you should totally come out to like an open mic and try it out so I was like dude absolutely and like my new year's resolution for 2020 was like <laughs> I'm going to do some tw- I'm going to do some stand up yeah and then uh someone slept with a bat or something and then yeah. now, <laughs> now we're uh yeah so but uh, that hasn't deterred me. I still plan on doing it as soon as possible. I actually have been like writing material. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I watched plenty of stand up. You know, I, I, I. So I, you were I always kind it. of like a stand up, uh, like like a comedy nerd, right? Yeah, like yeah. A lot I of mean, people, like, yeah. I follow a lot of stand up comics. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not one of those like idiots. Like, oh yeah, it's so easy. Just stand in front of a bunch of people, tell jokes, and they're all gonna yeah. laugh, it's, and they're gonna love you. It's, it's pretty, so easy. It's pretty easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's the worst. Yeah. What's wrong? It's I like don't know. it's so like your one way ticket to depression. Yeah, that's basically right. it. So and like, and I already know the first time I go up there, I mean, like, I tell some joke that killed with all my friends and family, and then people are just gonna stare at me. <laughs> oh no! And oh, I, I'm man. literally gonna hear crickets. It's and, not always. And it, someone's gonna go to the trouble of bringing a tumbleweed <laughs> and like throwing it on the. Someone knows how to make like the cricket sound. I know. Like, oh, God damn it! I know. <laughs> and so, like, I, I already know. I, I, like, I'm not Jimmy. If you were to do it in San Diego, it's a pretty good place to do it. You know, you're not in fucking Tallahassee, or you're not in like somewhere in fucking Ohio. You know, like there's there's a lot of comedy here. People like laughing. You know, well, it's yeah. accessible for sure. Like, yeah. you know. Yeah, come out, dude. I think that's the reason we first connected, even like because you were saying for be that way COVID too long that you were gonna come baby. out and then you never did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I definitely want to. Um, I will post post COVID, dude. Like once like everything's open again, like there'd be so many opportunities yeah. for you to come get out, out to the too. beach, mics, man. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll come out. I'll come. I'll come out the next one. Assuming you know, I don't got something going on, right? But, yeah, it's like you're like like saving the country. Yeah. <laughs> you're not like bossing someone. Yeah, you're you're like, like where are you at? And I'm, I'm like, like I'm calling. I'm you in up, a like, gunfight, bro. <laughs> I'm like a Mr. Fucking Spot. <laughs> you're like, you're, you're I'm like someone. I'm bleeding <laughs> out. Yeah, call, you, call somebody. You took yeah. the call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> You're like, sorry, man. Bro, I'm really sorry, but <laughs> tell my wife and children I love them. I'm like, yeah, whatever, dude. You're gonna get. You're not even gonna get the yeah, fucking like, spot next. That's week, not even dude. a funny joke, bro. See ya. Yeah, I put you on speaker. <laughs> All right, man. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on. I would love to have you again at some point. Yeah, yeah. No, this, this has was, been incredible. This was, this was a blast. I love I it, man. And uh, Chuck, you got anything to say? No closers, man. I had a good time. Thank you All for right. having me as well, Jimmy. Jimmy is, dude. Thanks. Um, it was it was uh it was funner even than I expected, and right. um, it's good times, good beer. Um, 
Hell yeah, man. Yeah. All right. And uh, thank you for the listeners out there. Um, be safe this week. Be safe for the next month. How, how long do you think we have, Chuck? Until this is until over? Until the end of the year, at least, I feel the like. The end of the fucking year, sir? Maybe longer. I mean, until the... I mean, not to say that the uh, vaccine is going to be like the end all, but like yeah. I feel like once that comes out, at least like we're we'll be more okay with opening up and just say, yeah, okay, we'll take the risk now, sure. which is weird. But it seems that things are downtrending now. Like we have you know downtrending cases at least in San Diego, um, and like positive cases. So maybe soon. Okay. All right. So there's some good news there, guys. Uh, 2021. That's my year. I swear. <laughs> That's my year. All right. Uh, love you guys very much. Um, stay tuned for some uh, new episodes coming out uh, very soon. Uh, love you guys. Be safe. And as always, stay 